the Bay Area listening to these same ideas and getting inspired and motivated to do things. That's what the station is for. 1-800-439-5732. Or 510-848-5732. Thanks to Carol Beck in Mill Valley. Thanks to Mary Diamond in Mill Valley. We'd like you to join them in the seconds we have remaining to make this $900 challenge. 510 848 5732 or 1-800-439-5732. Thank you to today's food donors. They are Casa Latina, Nabalam Bakery, Veritable Vegetable, Numi Tea, Peaberry's Coffee and Tea, and Semi Freddy's. This is KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, KFCF in Fresno, anywhere in the world at kpfa.org and made possible only with the contributions of listeners like you. We're looking for one or two more of you at 510-848-5732 1-800-439-5732 Cover to cover coming at you. Hopefully they'll let you know if we've made that challenge. <laughs> You're listening to 94.1 KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. I'm Amelia Gonzalez, and you are tuned to Cover to Cover, Open Book. And we have been uh, trying to give you a break from 3 to 3.30 uh, during the weekdays, and we are falling short. As Brian Edwards-Tekert mentioned, we brought you a winter soldier yesterday morning and uh, the testimony of the Iraqi veterans uh, testifying in front of the Progressive Caucus in Washington, D.C., and so we have some uh, funds to make up for. We need new subscribers especially, and we're hoping that we uh, we continue with your support and along those lines i have a great treat for you for the next half hour we're bringing you this great uh, collection it's uh, titled 1968 revolution rewind which is a four cd set of mp3s meaning that it is over 40 hours of archival treasures that the pacifica archives have put together in celebrating the 40th anniversary uh, by presenting classic recordings from this historic year that include Ray Bradbury, Ellen Ginsberg, Dr. Spock, uh, sounds from the 1968 convention in Chicago, and tons, tons more. Of course, uh, some of the uh, later speeches of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., as well as H. Rapp Brown, Arthur C. Clarke. Uh, we're going to hear some sounds of the Greek actress and uh, pol- politician Melina Mercury and Olympian Giancarlos, Muhammad Ali, tons of uh, treasures over 40 hours. So I put a little something together to give you a little sampling of what this is. Stay with us. Our government uh, president uh, tells us that we are there at the request of the Vietnamese people, that we're fighting for democracy, that we're yearning to make uh, peace, and are so sad that we've gotten no response uh, from uh, the government of North Vietnam and from the National Liberation Front. All of this is completely untrue. The United States was never invited into uh, Vietnam. The United States conceived of this as a power play in 1954 after the French uh, were defeated. 
and the United States, without invitation, found GM in the United States and uh, moved him to uh, South Vietnam and installed him as a puppet without ever consulting the people in any way. asks, the question, is it politic? Vanity asks, the question, is it popular? But conscience asks, the question, is it right? And there comes a time when one must take a position that is neither safe, nor politic, nor popular, but he must do it because conscience tells him it is right. And that is where I stand today, and that is where I hope you will continue to stand so that we can speed up the day when justice will roll down like waters all over the world and righteousness like a mighty stream. And we will speed up the day when men will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks and nations will not rise up against nations neither will they study war anymore and I close by saying as we sing it in the old Negro spiritual I ain't gonna study war no more Once upon this planet Earth Lived a man of humble birth Preaching love and freedom for his fellow men I think women should, you know, can and should sign the complicity statement and make a public thing out of it, you know, make some kind of program out of it. And I think that you can aid and abet by... Uh, the other night a guy came up to me at a draft card turning and said, would you do me the honor and hand me his card? You know, while I would hold it while he burned it. Well, I was absolutely overjoyed. It was like looking at my first Christmas tree, you know. And, and the women really, excuse me, David, but hold together the resistance in the back rooms on the typewriters and the stamp licking and all that stuff that goes on. I, I mean, it's, there's plenty for you to do. Lastly, I would just like to say that I don't think any woman should go to bed with a man who carries a draft card. <laughs> President Johnson raised a question uh, some weeks ago when he was giving his State of the Union address. He talked of all of the beautiful television sets that we have over the nation. In fact, he gave the number, about 70 or 80 million. He talked about uh, the beautiful automobiles and the massive expressways that will hold our automobiles up and keep them flowing. He talked about the number of automobiles, new automobiles that come out every year. 
And he said after that, yet that is questioning in the land. That is a strange restlessness. <laughs> and I guess uh, he raised the question because uh, he didn't quite know what was wrong. <laughs> well, there is something radically wrong. And I suspect it is that in all too many instances, we have allowed the means by which we live to outdistance the ends for which we live. We have maximized the minimum and minimized the maximum. And so we've ended up with guided missiles and misguided men. And I guess that's the basis of the questioning and the restlessness facing uh, this generation. Our nation is in a mess. The world is in a mess. Now the question is, what do we do? And I must confess that I have uh, no pretense to omniscience. I don't know everything, and the answers are hard to find today uh, because of the great ambiguities of life and history. But we have to do something. Marlon Brando also mentioned the riot report, the Kerner report, that came out a few days ago. And it said some things to us that we cannot ignore. Some of us have been saying these things all along, but uh, nobody paid much attention to them. Now, maybe after they have now been said by a presidential commission, and now that these things have the halo of respectability about them, maybe some people will listen. But in gloomy and realistic terms, that report pointed out that our nation is moving toward two societies, one white and one black, separate and unequal. And the fact is that with this kind of move taking place, hatreds are deeper, tensions are greater, misunderstanding will be wider. But the commission report didn't stop that. It brought out another thing that is often painful to hear. And yet it must be heard if the problems that we face in our nation are to be solved. And that is the fact that racism is still at the center of our nation. We must honestly face the fact that America is a racist society. And we must see racism for what it is. It is a myth of an inferior people. It is a tragic notion that one group has all of the worth and uh, all of the knowledge, all of the significance, all of the purity. And another group has all of the inferiority, the worthlessness, and the impurity. And whenever racism is a basic 
philosophy, whether it is expressed overtly or whether it is subconsciously or latently held. It always brings into being an absolute disrespect for human personality. Now, the first thing that must be on the agenda of our nation is to get rid of racism in all of its dimensions. And it means that white America will have to do something positively, affirmatively, and meaningfully in order to bring all of God's children into the mainstream of the life of this nation. It cannot be done short of something massive. And it means that those who have not known the pathology of the ghetto will have to somehow take that empathetic journey and join hands with those who have been denied and who have been hurt and who have been exploited for so many years. Massive programs are needed. And that means billions of dollars. And the question is whether the affluent part of America is willing to make the sacrifice so that everybody will be able to live a creative life. Ralph Ellison told you a long time ago, long before I did, what it was like to be the invisible man. And there's a long, long record going back to the auction block of what we really feel we the blacks in this country. And what we really feel we the blacks in this country is the mirror of what you really feel. That's why we really feel that way. Well, Mr. Baldwin, I don't feel qualified myself to, to speak on behalf of all white Americans. And I but on the other hand, if I may interrupt you, I don't feel qualified to speak on behalf of all black Americans either. But it's very interesting that I would find myself in this position. And the only reason I am in this position is because all black Americans are treated like niggers. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. to my mother. Now, uh, what I'm trying to say to you is you can't really say that you're not qualified to speak on behalf of all white Americans if I'm treated the way all black Americans are treated in this country. You still feel yourself treated in that fashion. As long as, my brother, as long as my brother is, and I have four brothers and five sisters, and my mother is, and many, many more people than that are treated as they are by being in the Beverly Hills Hotel has nothing to do with it. But there are such... Dramatic exceptions, Mr. Baldwin. Yourself, the there are no exceptions. Leontine Price. There are no exceptions. No exceptions. No. Uh, you're saying, in effect, then, that as long as Black Americans if are they don't know that you she, are mistreated, if they don't know that she's Leontine Price, she still can't get a taxi. Uh, as many of you may know, Melina McCurry lost her Greek citizenship shortly after the military coup in Greece last year because she was outspoken and quite articulate and quite vocal in opposition to the military takeover and in opposition to the fascist regime which took over. Instead of silencing her, the taking away of her Greek citizenship has made her even more vocal 
and more determined to continue to fight for the restoration of democracy in Greece. I have received thousands and thousands of letters from unknown people all over America expressing their love for my people and my country. And I have wept more than once when I found in the envelopes one dollar or five dollars with the words, Dear Melina, please use this to help the return of democracy to Greece. And when I walk in the streets, people come to greet me and say, Give them hell, Melina. Give those fascists hell. I cannot tell you the comfort and the courage that has been given to me by the American people. So how painful it is to me to deplore the official American position. Military aid to Greece must stop. Acts of barbarism must stop. Civil war must be prevented. I urge you to act now. Time is not on our side. Thank you. This is HRAP Brown, and good afternoon. So black people this year, young black people, like Thomas Smith, John Carlos, mounted the victory stand, which they rightfully won, and wearing black gloves, black socks, no shoes. And when the Star Spangled Banner was played, they clenched their fists in an act of defiance, saying that, yes, we are black. Carlos likened the white attitude toward black athletes to the relationship between trainers and show horses or elephants. If we do a good job, he said, they'll throw us some peanuts or pat us on the back and say, good boy. We just wanted to let black people throughout the world know, you know, that we ran representing them. We were trying to tell black people and minority people that they're going to have to become more united to stand against the struggles that they have in front of them. And all the words in the national anthem didn't cover black people or minority people. And I didn't feel that I should go up and stand up at attention and and uh, applaud something I disagree with totally. You know, I'll be being hypocritical to myself. We continue now with coverage of events that occurred earlier today in connection with the Yippies and the national mobilization to end the war in Vietnam. Here is Allen Ginsberg. The conditions in Chicago at present are very similar to the authoritarian Marxist conditions in Prague in 65 and 68 today. The ban on demonstrations proposes violence. The state proposes violence when it doesn't allow younger people to assemble calmly and peacefully without the sound of motorcycles. <laughs> This is our trouble today. All Negro, so-called Negroes were about his money. He's like the white man now. He'll blow up his mama for some money and sell out his people for some money. That's why we are nowhere today, because all the big Negroes with some money is up on the hill with the white folks, riding with the white folks, going to church with the white folks, marrying the white folks, shuffling and tommy and loving white folks, and they forget all about the brother down there in Harlem 
His rent's due, living in a bad home, standing on the corner, nobody know him, nobody want him, and he rides by in his limousine. Well, uh, let them niggas make it like me. I can't take no chance on losing my money. Once we become followers of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, the flush and the blood of our people is more important than the white man's money. Money don't mean nothing if you're black to the white man. I don't care if you can buy a $500 house or $500,000 house, you still a nigger. Now, many of our people make protests and say they're going to boycott and they're going to do this and do that. And then when the white man put the pressure on them, they back up. But I'm one who I hope and pray to Allah and his messenger, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, that I be one black man that they can look at and say, turn down all $10 million in commercials, royalties. Turn down the world heavyweight title. Where is he at? There he is over there sitting on the garbage can with the wine heads. He don't have to be over there. There he is talking to the prostitute. There he is picking up the brother out alley, taking him to the Muslim temple. There he is selling a prostitute a Muslim newspaper. Ain't that something? He really don't have to do it. See, they have to look at me now greater than just in a boxing ring. Good fight, boy. White man got all the money. Two Negroes cut each other up, and he pat him on the back. Good fight, boy. Great fight, boy. Good show, boy. Good dancing, boy. Huh? But they can't look at me like that. See, I get all respect because I follow the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. You may not like Rap Brown or Stokely Carmichael, but they get more respect than the richest Negroes in America, the most white folks loving Negroes in America. When Rap Brown and Stokely Carmichael walk down the tree, traffic stops. Rap Brown, where? There he is. Stokely Carmichael, where? White folks jumping out of windows looking at him, wanting to touch him. They admire warriors because they are warriors. They believe in dying and fighting for what they believe. They giving up $90 million a day in Vietnam in the guts of their children for a principle. They died and fought the Indians. Money don't mean nothing when your people are free and hungry and catching hell. So all of these so-called Negroes listen to this show. I hope you learned something from this. Damn some money when it comes to your mama's freedom. You're so quick to go to Vietnam and fight and shoot and kill somebody you don't know, fighting so they can be free, and you come home and you get your head busted. So if I got to die, if I got to sacrifice, if I got to suffer, let it be for my black brothers and sisters. Let it be for my mama and not somebody 10,000 miles from here. So when you understand what I'm saying, when you weigh it out, if it means money or Tom, damn the money. of Muhammad Ali there in this collection that we're bringing you this afternoon for the next few minutes. I am Amelia Gonzalez coming to you here on Cover to Cover Open Book. Here we bring you the arts, the literature, the history in the making, and I'm very happy to be able to have this for you to offer. What you heard is just a little bit of this amazing collection that is yours for the asking if you call now and support KPFA and uh, help us out during this Spring Fun Drive. You can do that by calling locally 848-5732, and that's within the 510 area code, or you can call toll-free 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY. 
KPFA, and you could get this 1968 Revolution Rewind, which is over 40 hours of uh, amazing history in the making here. It is what KPFA is supposed to be doing, is doing, and we have this for you. 1968, the 40th anniversary of that uh, revolutionary year is yours for the asking over 40 hours if you call in with a $120 pledge. Again, if you do our monthly uh, payment program, that could be $10 uh, a month and you can get over 40 hours in a, an MP3 format. What you heard were collections of voices, just a little bit. You heard uh, Seymour Hirsch, you heard jo- uh, Joan Baez, you heard Muhammad Ali, you heard Greek actress and politician Melina Mercury as she had been um her uh, passport had been taken away from the Greek government, and she talks about the U.S. support of that. Doesn't this sound familiar? And, of course, one of Dr. Martin Luther King's latest speeches when he's talking about the war, when he became so dangerous to this government. Doesn't all of this sound familiar? Unfortunately, all too familiar as what we are going through now. But you can call in, pledge your support for KPFA, and know that you can get this amazing 40 hours of archives of 1968. As you heard uh, the voices uh, that I just mentioned, you can also get the Columbia uh, sounds from the Columbia student strike. You can also get all the documentary that was made around the Robert uh, Kennedy assassination. Also, you heard a little bit of Allen Ginsberg speaking outside of the of the uh, Chicago Democratic National Convention back in 1968. You get Cesar Chavez at City College uh, talking about the United Farm Workers. You get a documentary of Paris student uprising in 1968. You get an interview with Francis. Francois Mitterrand, you get uh, a free Huey Huey, uh, Newton rally here in Oakland back in 1968. You get so much. You get also Bayard Rustin also talking about the future of minorities. That for the asking, uh, Coretta Scott King, the Poor People's Campaign documentary, you get H. Rap Brown, you heard a little bit of that. All of this, if you call in over 40 hours of Pacifica Archives, what they have gathered from 1968 yours if you call now 1-800-439-5732 that's 1-800-H-E-Y-K-P-F-A or you can call 510-848-5732 this is a lot of information we also have a whole CD uh, dedicated to uh, the uh, the arts we have interviews with Melvin Van Peebles Alan Arkin Seymour Castle the line in the winter, Anthony Harvey and June Moreau, uh, Dame Edith Evans. There is the uh, so much here. Uh, an interview with uh, Eric Bentley. Norman Mailer speaking out, uh, and also so much the poetry from the San Francisco Renaissance, a town hall against the draft, um, Noam Chomsky and Robert Bly, a tribute to Ernesto Guevara. A lot of what they have um, gathered is as a result of their campaign to restore so much of the uh, reel-to-reel tape that uh, Pacifica Archives has, and it's uh, they're digitizing it, and they were able to offer us this 1968 uh, collection 
over 40 hours. It's a 4CD, uh, um, 4CD set on MP3. And the reason why I'm speaking so fast is because we only have just a few minutes left. And I'm hoping that you do go to the phone, pledge your support for KPFA, and you walk away with this wonderful gift of history. It is exactly what KPFA, what Pacifica is about. And we're working very hard to be able to restore a lot of the history. And there is so much more in the making. I just spoke to uh, someone who is an old producer that is no longer uh, working at KPFA. And he said, you know, I'm just going to send all my old uh, tapes down to the archives so that they could have them. And he interviewed quite a few people. And we're hoping that that could be restored as well, as well as keeping KPFA alive, keeping Pacifica alive, keeping this dream of of founding an alternative way that would be beholden to the listener, that would be Listener supported. Won't you go to the phone and pledge your support and keep us alive? 1-800-439-5732. On the web, you could see all the listing. I have not done it justice. There's a lot, like I said, over 40 hours of audio that you can have for your collection that you can have to share so that when you're talking to uh, people and they think that the United States has never done this kind of stuff that they're doing in Iraq, um, yes, they have. Unfortunately, we have a long le- this country has a long legacy of doing intervening in other people's business. Won't you go to the phone, pledge your support 1-800-439-5732-848-5732. We're making room for free speech radio news. Stay with us. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley. 88.1 KFCF in Fresno and online at kpfa.org. The time is just about 3.30. Stay tuned next for Free Speech Radio News. This is Free Speech Radio News for Friday, May 16th, 2008. From Eugene, Oregon, I'm Jess Burns in for Aura Bogato. In today's program, Texas mayors unite in a lawsuit against Homeland Security over the construction of a border wall.